No. I'm right. The podcast uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, comedy, and so much more. Nick Durst here along with the one and only Joe Calabrese. And Joe, what a gale we have joining us here today on the show. And you can let everybody know how you met her and how this came to be. Nick, you know the old saying, gals just want to have fun, right? Yeah. I got to meet her uh, a couple weekends ago when our friend Mike Marino uh, was doing a comedy show down in Jersey um, with Joey Gorga. So we're very happy to have her on. Uh, she was very sweet when I met her in person. Very quickly agreed to come on the podcast with us. Uh, so we welcome our guest, Amanda Gale. And as Hi, you can guys. see, do you like puns? Oh, I love puns. Give me all, right. all the puns you got. Yeah. Okay, good. Amanda, would you say your favorite singer is Gale? Do you rock out to ABCDEFU? ABCDEFU? You know I, that song? You're going to make Joe sing here the song for you? Yeah, he'll have to. I don't know what that is. ABCD, that one. EFU, and your. You don't know that song. You don't know Gail, your own your own namesake as a singer. I'm, I'm failing at this podcast already. Wow. You guys can unbook oh. me if you want. I'll sign up. Oh man! All right. How about this one? You know, what's your fairy type of wind? Do you like a light breeze, or are you more of a gale force wind type of girl? Gale force wind. I'll go with that. My namesake. All right. All right. Now, from what I understand, you live in Hoboken, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Hoboken, no joking. JC, yeah. Jay Calvary's, he's in JC in Jersey City. So <laughs> not too far away. So let's just say for some reason, you know, maybe you were to to ask Joe out to hang out or, you know, a date or something. Where would you take him on the first date? Would you take him to Hoboken? Would you go to Jersey City? Would you go to Manhattan? What, what what's your ideal type of scenario there? I I think first date guys should come to the girl. So I would say Hoboken, because there's all these cute date places. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess maybe brass rail or um how about cake boss isn't that there oh Parties? yeah we can wait online we can wait online for hours for cake boss that'll be fun that'll we'll really get to know each other standing online yeah right yeah it's like, it's like waiting on a line of shake shack at city field right nick yeah i, I went to shake when i go to shake shack at city field i make sure i go for a day game getting there 11 o'clock in the morning uh not a big line guy yeah so i'd like to wait online so i will i'll go where there's no crowd and usually you know, me and my wife have a saying, you know, we go places, we get there just in the, you know, they say the nick of time, but I say, because I'm Nick, they're just in the me of time. Because usually yeah. once I get there, then there's a big line after the fact, but, you know, it works out. What was your first impressions of meeting Joe a few weekends ago, a Catch a Rising Star comedy show? Very nice, very professional, very, um, just like a nice stand-up but cool not you know not too like professional that you're like oh my god what's you know this, this guy is so square but um just like cool and professional and just you know yeah. nice funny friendly yeah I had all good things every good thing you could think of I was like oh this is like a, a really stand-up guy he's funny yeah. he's nice he's cool yeah. he's professional obviously I mean if you're working with someone like he works you know the people he works with you have right. to be you know all right. So what is your favorite podcast and why is it, you know, I'm right. <laughs> well, this podcast is great because I mean, you guys just cover different guests. I mean, it's sports, it's rally stars. And the fact that you guys can speak to anyone of that, of different, you know, facets is makes you a great podcast host, you know, it's, you know, 
just sports or just reality TV, you'd be, you know, one, right. one, one trick pony, but so for you now we'll turn the tables to you more here what was your upbringing like and were you one of the boys or were you one of the the gals um i went through phases so i think i grew up in the bronx and i lived there till i was eight i moved to jersey and then i went through a phase in middle school where i was really into the yankees and the knicks and the you know i had the starter jacket remember the starter jackets back in the day had you know the knicks starter jacket and um i I would just you know read all the you know sports news and just check the standings of all of the teams and like talk to my dad and watch my dad and then i got to like junior high and high school and i just became more girl i went to more cheerleading and so forth so but yeah i went through a phase where i was a tomboy i guess or like into boy stuff so so where did you go to school uh east brunswick high school that's when i went to high school and then I went to oh, Rutgers College. But. And then you went oh, yeah. to Rutgers oh, yeah. College. Keep chopping. Yeah, right? What'd you study at Rutgers? Um, I did marketing in Spanish. I double majored. Did you ever go to the Grease Trucks? I did. RIP. Did you go there? I've, I've been, I went uh, twice. Yeah. Pretty good. I, I used, I used, I maxed, I think I had two sandwiches at once. And that was the most I could do. It's insane. Those, it was like cheese, it was like cheese fries and mozzarella sticks. It's just like. I don't know. It was too much for me. I'm like, I don't see the appeal of this, but you know, maybe I'm not that cool. But yeah, I went there once or twice with some friends from high school. Um, so Amanda, when did you know that you wanted to be an entertainer uh, yeah. or and a, and a performer? When when did that light bulb come on for you? I I guess when I was little, I liked performing and entertaining and and so forth. I was in the plays in high school, you know, in college and high school, I, I was in plays. And then I don't know, it's it's like after you graduate college or high school, like people, you don't have hobbies really, right? Like all your extracurricular activities when you're a little kid. So I was like, I really want to go back into extracurricular activities that I used to love. So I did improv. And then when I did improv, someone asked me to do a stand up show. And then so I, I found ways to, you know, pursue what I loved out after college. So that was good. And uh, I don't know. I just, I think you either like it or you don't. I, I can't, you know, I don't think it's like, yeah. You know, it's like kind of likes it. I don't know. Maybe there are. <laughs> so who in particular, uh, which comedians are your biggest uh, inspirations? Yeah. And what were some of the things like movies and TV shows uh, that you enjoyed watching uh, when you were younger, that you were favorites, that you kind of liked the the people in the show, and you said to yourself, like, "Oh, I like, I want to do this." Yeah, well, um, I had an older sister growing up. I was very young when this show came out. I had a, I have a Gen X sister, so I watched Nine Hundred Two and when I was little, and I probably shouldn't have. I was way too young, but my mom was by the second kid. Your mom's just like, whatever, I guess, you know. It's like, so I love Nine Hundred Two and and Melrose Place, and um, I mean, growing up, or our movie. I mean, I loved uh Ace Ventura Pet Detective I love that was such a funny movie and um Wayne's World and um what happened to Jim Carrey he's just like a hiatus he was like the the shit when we were growing up like the Uh, like end all be all was like Jim Carrey and now it's like I don't know he went nuts I don't know they all go nuts (laughs) I sound like a nutso sorry yeah I mean Britney Spears said some crazy things in her new book yeah yeah I don't think she wrote it (laughs) I don't, I don't think, think she wrote it either. She's had a bunch of ghostwriters. Apparently, it's one of the uh, apparently after a day or so, it's like the best selling like celebrity memoir. Yeah, uh, that's what I've heard. Uh, do you plan on getting it? Do you plan on reading it just to kind of see if all your theories are correct? I I bought it already. I bought it. Oh, you did. Yeah, when I heard, 
I'm a huge fan of hers. I really am. Big fan of Britney. All right. Big fan. I just, I think out of all the pop stores, she's very real. I don't know. Just, she's messy. She's like a, she's trash. She's a mess. She doesn't try to be like uppity at all. I, I don't think she, I think she wants to quit the business and she has handlers around her that are like, no. And I think they, I think there's an element where they, either she was crazy or they made her crazy. Is that, is that the wrong podcast to bring this up on? I'm sorry. This is like lighthearted and I'm like, We'll, no, see what the, we'll see what the reviews say. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So moving on here, it's a more lighthearted stuff. Comedy, your comedy career. How did you first get into comedy? How did you pursue that? Did you start off with open mic night? Tell us about that journey. Well, okay. So I started off in improv and because um, I, I just wanted to perform and, and you know, just do something creative. And then I met this guy who was putting on a stand-up comedy show in Hoboken. And I and he asked me to do it. And I was like, no, I don't I'm not a stand-up. I'm not gonna do that. And he kept asking me and asking me. And then I gave in and I did it. And for so long, I was like, why did this guy want me to do stand-up comedy so badly? And then I realized as a producer, because he made like two hundred dollars off of me that night. Mm. If you if you produce a show and you want people to come per, uh, put someone up that's never done stand-up before because they will invite all their friends. And I was young back then. So I had like 20, like I had so many friends back then. So I, you know, I had like two tables of friends come to see me, you know? So, and that never happened after that, but you know, he made a lot of money off of me that night. He knew he's like, get a new person to do stand-up and then their friends will come out. And so smart, at least that's my theory. I don't know. Maybe it's like the dark Hollywood theory, similar. It's like, <laughs> That could be your handler. You gotta watch. Yeah, it's my handler. Yeah. <laughs> so tell but us. Like, what... Sorry, go on. But go I liked ahead, it. I pursued it. I was like, how how do I do this? How do I, you know? So I mean, thank God he, you know, wanted to make money off of me. <laughs> right. He he deserves it. I you know I got into it because of him. So. So tell us about some of the most fun or famous people you've met or worked mm -hmm. with, and your favorite people to do stuff in the entertainment business with. Well, I I worked with Gilbert Gottfried. Nice. That's that was dude. really cool. He was great. He's the sweetest guy. And I mean the favorite people my favorite people to work with? Yeah, some of the favorite That's... people you worked with or just have met. Um, oh my God, so so many. My favorite people to work with that like name recognition or um I mean I worked with Ari Shafir before. I've worked with um a lot of big names, not big, I mean, you know, big names in the comedy scene. Um, there is one comic that I think um, should get more recognition than he does. It's a comic named Mike Yard. And I worked with him at Governor's. And he is, I've never, I had a guttural belly laugh working with, while working with him. And um, I've never really, I've, you know, I laugh, but, you know, being comedy, you're kind of desensitized to, you don't laugh as hard. So I have to say he was hilarious. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I worked. I worked at Uncle Vinny's a lot, so I worked with Bobby Kelly, who was awesome. He's crusher. He's so funny, and um, yeah, I, I guess anyone. I've worked with a lot of really nice people. Down to earth, treat you. They don't treat you any different just because you're an opener, you know. Right. Um, yeah. So wow. most famous though that I worked with was Gilbert Gottfried, though. So it's pretty cool. Tell yeah. us some of the your favorite cities or venues to perform stand up comedy and. What are some locations you'd ideally like to perform at in the future? Um, I like performing. 
I love performing in Jersey, like Trust Factory and um, Uncle Vinny's. And I just, I love the Jersey crowd and Catch a Rising Star. So I like Jersey crowds and Long Island crowds a lot because they're just, you know, they're type of people, they just want to have fun. They just want to, they've worked a long day. They want to go to a comedy club. They want to hang their hat up and they don't want to think, and not that, you know, and, you know, they're smart people. They're just want to have fun, chill. So I love Jersey and Long Island crowds. Um, I will say the hardest uh, a place that I probably will be reluctant to go back to is Philly. That's a very, very hard. Want to go there? Brutal. Nobody ever wants to go to Philadelphia. They they are not there for polite laughs. They are not, if something is not funny, they are not going to give you. They do not care. They will let you die up there. And that was I have never bombed so hard like I did in Philadelphia. So <laughs> if I go back, I got to get real good because they're not going to bullshit you. So what is considered it? in the future? maybe working on some cruise ships, getting to go on vacation to, to do work. Like uh, like Mike Marino, who you grew up yeah. with, that's what he does. Oh, he does? He has, oh, okay. I um I don't like cruises. I find uh, them very confining. Uh, you're missing yeah. out on some good times. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's probably all, you know, probably see awesome places. I just, I find cruises very confining. I, you know, I just be on a ship. So, I mean, I would travel to a resort and do it. Is that like... A cruise ship no, I, it's a little, little different, you know, an all-inclusive <laughs> resort, I think is a little different than being on the ocean sure, for yeah. five, six days, whatever it is. Uh, but in Mike's case, it's great because again, it's very lucrative for him, uh, makes money on, on the performances. He's guaranteed to play in front of theaters and, uh, like a couple hundred a people, a thousand people, and you get a free trip out of it. So and it's, he's, he's done more cruises, uh, across the Atlantic. I think he's done it across like the Gulf. Uh, and I think he did one in like the the Pacific Northwest. He did Alaska. Alaska. Yeah, he did the Alaska one. So, okay, you're right. Yeah, enough about Mike Marino. Oh no, we could talk about him all day. Yeah, the other thing about cruises though, you have to be very clean. And Mike is being hilarious and clean is such a skill. Usually they have like an 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 8 p.m. clean show, then you got the 11 p.m. go for it show. Okay, got it. So I'm guessing you're more of a dirty act. She's a dirty, she's a dirty gal. Well, I'm not filthy. I just think I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like, um, vulgar, but I wouldn't call myself clean by any means, you know, and, uh, you would would prefer a performance where there are no strings attached to you. Yeah. It'll be so much, I, it's so much pressure. I once opened for someone and they were like, we want clean. And I was like, all right, I'll do it anyway. And I was so nervous because I'm like, this is not really that funny. This clean stuff's not really that funny, but I didn't do well. But I think because I was in my head, you know, if I have rules, exactly. Like when you're creative, you don't want rules. You want to just be you. And when there's all these rules, you're thinking you're like, is that dirty? Should I say this word? And it's like, oh, I just want to say it. But the fact that Mike can be hilarious and clean is such a skill. So kudos to him that he could do that. It's hard. <laughs> How yeah. important do you think it is for a stand-up comedian to kind of bomb and have shows where things don't go well uh, as part of like your career trajectory or arc. Cause I think you have to experience a little failure before you really get to like that next level. Right. Yeah. I, you also get really um, you need to be humbled a little bit, especially early. Cause if you're like crushing, 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 you're probably not performing in enough venues or you're not taking risks or you're, you know, and so you think you're better than you are. And then one day someone's going to tell you, and it's better earlier, I think, than when you're 20 years down the line, you're like, I'm the shit. And someone's like, no, you're not. You've just been performing in the same venue your whole life and saying the same jokes, <laughs> you know? So 
I think it is important to bomb, I guess. It, yeah, it humbles you. I think that's what it is, you know? So I want to talk about other things that you've done, uh, like your writing for Reductress. Yeah. How, uh, so how did that start? Is that something that you were just looking to do on the side just to kind of like test the waters, uh, see how you like your, your comedy translate into writing? And how hard is it tra like translating spoken comedy to a verbal medium? Because I think with the way social media is today and with the way we consume content, sometimes reading something out doesn't necessarily get the point across or isn't as funny as as somebody saying it, the cadence and delivery of somebody saying it. Uh, so what was it like writing for Reductress? I really liked it. I mean, it's a satire. It's, you know, a female magazine. It's a, a satirical take on female magazines. So it's like the uh, glamour for the onions. You know, it's the, the onions version of glamour. So I really like the satire. Um, yeah, I, I think it's easier with writing because you can proofread and, 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 and like send it to somebody and, and you have time. Right. And then on stage, you, it's, everything's important because it's your tone of voice, the little word the timing. So I almost feel like writing is easier than doing, I think stand up is very hard. Stand up and improv are very hard, but writing, you know, satirical stories is, you know, a bit easier, I think, because you have time to think about it and so forth. So, but you're right. If you write at a stand up joke, I think if you write at your stand up joke online, that's, that can be totally misconstrued, you know? But if you say it on stage, it's hilarious. But on paper, you'd be like, this girl's an asshole. Or you'd be like, <laughs> you'd be like, why, why is that funny? But on stage, you're like, oh, I got it in the context of what the whole thing was. So, right. sorry, can we curse on this thing? You can bleep it out, sorry. No, we've had people curse. Okay. <laughs> At the very beginning, I think we were a little, not stingy, but we were just kind of trying to avoid people put themselves to curse in. But now I don't think it matters. I think okay. we're... We've had so many episodes, I don't think we're going to get flagged for it. Okay. When did you start contributing for Anthony Cumia and Compound Media? And how do you like the platform as an outlet for your particular brand of comedy and humor? Um, I've been a guest on Compound Media a lot. And so um, they're very, it's just a free, it, That's I feel very free on that network. It's a very, they really promote free speech. It's very much like free speech, not, not thinking about, oh, is this correct to say? Is that correct to say? Which, you know, in some aspects, I think there's certain words and things you should not say, by the way, I'm not like screw cancel culture. I think, I think some words and phrases should be off limits to say, because they really are offensive, but there's all these like little nuanced things that people say that it's like, okay, come on. It's, you know, like some things can be, some things, not everything is offensive, right? There are a few things that are very, very offensive. That's clearly offensive, but all these little nuanced things, it's like, you know, come on, it's comedy. We're supposed to be provocative. So that's what I like about that network a lot. Now, did he approach you or did other people uh, who have programs and, and shows on the network uh, approach you or did you kind of pitch yourself to them? Um, people on the network. Well, actually, no, I met someone who knew people at the network and recommended me. So that's why. Okay. That's, yeah. Good. Uh, so are you related to the other Amanda Gale, who is a multidimensional healer, soul guide, and medium? And were you aware <laughs> of this person before today? I have seen her. She's on social media. Yeah, there's there's also an Amanda Gale bodybuilder, I think. So. Oh, really? Yeah. We're all different. Maybe we should start a club. I know. Because we're all different, you know, comedian, healer, bodybuilder. We're all different, <laughs> vaguely different people, so. 
What's your zodiac sign? I'm a Pisces. Oh, I like Pisces people. What are you? What does that mean, Joe? Pisces. I'm a Gemini. Oh, yeah, a Gemini. A... Gemini men. Oof. Oof, right? I'm the best there is. No, you're not. The no, best you're there not. Was. Absolutely <laughs> the best not. I will be. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Geminis have split personalities. They always say, be careful of Gemini men. Right. <laughs> I'm sure what you're probably you... a good one, but. Oh, you know what, Nick? We're gonna we're gonna turn the tables and we're gonna put the guests on the spot here. What do you think I am? You, yeah. um, Taurus? Are you Earth? Oh. Okay, you're either. I think you're either Aries. No. Fire. No, no. That's it. You got like six more. You can guess, and then you got some. Yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. So like, a- there's like ten. You're not a Taurus. So I was thinking Earth because I think you seem pretty grounded. You right. don't seem like flighty and you know, you seem grounded. I'll give you a hint. Think about America. <laughs> oh, that's a good hint. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great I hint. <laughs> thinking about America. Um I don't know. Um, okay. Are you Scorpio? No. That's right, my rise. That? That's my rising sign. That's your rising. I'm so I'm so happy. Okay, that's that's good. You know, rising. I guess. I got Scorpio or Taurus energy from you. I'll be honest. I, I was like either Scorpio or Taurus because there's something mysterious about you. There's something Ooh. you're not like um, you're not like all cards on the table. You know, right. you know. I try not to be very Nick, Scorpio. That's so Scorpio to be mysterious and calculated and whatever. So okay, are you uh the 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 yeah Nick, Nick gave a really good hint. America, wait, hold on. America. Oh, oh, Cancer. Yes, there you go. See? Cancer? Yeah. Can you guess Joe's birthday? What date it is? July. Um, Come on. America. July 4th? Yes. There you go. You were born on 4th of July. Yes. And Nick is born on Memorial Day. What's your, oh my God. You guys are like, this is a very patriotic podcast. I was I mean, born on Alanis Morissette Day, which is. May, uh, no, no, uh, March 8th. March 8th. Yeah. How'd you there know? You go. Oh. Jeez. I, well, it's also International Women's Day, so rah, rah, rah. But wait, what's your moon? Virgo. Your Virgo moon. Wow. So you're a lot of Nick, water. Nick is, Nick is falling asleep right now. He's like. No, I love this. So you're all water and then you have a Virgo and your emotions are very stable. That's what I got. I got the stability from you. I got something stable from you. What's my moon, of, Joe? I don't know. I need your birth time for that. Oh, all right. I'll yeah. for that. All right. Nick is still awake. That's good. Well, listen, you two, you're all, all about the Zodiacs here. So maybe you could get together for a cup of coffee in Hoboken and exchange yeah. your stories about your rising moons and yeah. Mercury and retrograde and all that jazz. And, and It'll figure be out two, your yeah, rising water signs. Two water signs will be crying and <laughs> sharing emotions. Yep. So Amanda, for you, in your life or in your career, what would you say is your you know I'm right moment? What you mean by that is a time or place where you wanted to pursue something. You ask somebody for advice. They're like, Amanda, that's crazy. Why would you even bother with that? And you're like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And ultimately, you will see why it is that I'm right. I think it's when I started um, sharing content on the internet, like on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic followings were not, important really i mean i think people had them 
But then I started sharing content on the internet. I mean, not that I, I don't have by any means a huge following at all, but I got a following from sharing things. And when I started doing it, people are like, and meme accounts are picking it up and so forth. And people are just like, what? That's like trash. That's like lazy comedy. Or like, but, you know, I think once the pandemic hit, people were like, who's your, con you know, who, who are these meme accounts that are picking up your stuff? So, um, yeah. I think that um, posting stuff to Instagram and sharing content before it was like really popular was something I, I, I you know, I, I had a hunch about, but um, not that my following so big, but I'm just saying that idea, I, I think I knew before the pandemic. So yeah, well, there are certain levels to this you got when you grow your following. And I think, again, it's like I was saying before, sometimes comedy translated to either written word or your social media posts. I think it could be hit or miss. And I think for a lot of people, if it's misconstrued and people don't like it, you know, it's very hard to get off the ground immediately. Um, but you do have a really strong following uh, on Instagram. Uh, you're approaching 10,000 followers. So evidently people do like. Uh, my last question for you is, Amanda, what's next? Uh, do you have anything in the works? And ideally, where would you like to see yourself in the next couple of years? Um, so I am I'm doing a podcast with my good friend, Karen. It's called The Audacity. We um, basically just react to viral clips on the internet. I really want to, like you guys, have a great podcast. Um, you know, I've headlined a few times. I really like to do more headlining, you know, just get more time in and, and you know, close yeah. out a show. So it's a lot of pressure headlining, but, you know, that's how you get to the next level. So be a headliner, have a successful podcast. And... Um, yeah, I guess everyone's dream is that, right? So, yeah. like, quit my job. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a podcaster now, Nick. I think you know, well, maybe some crossover. You know, we go yeah. on your show. Maybe we open for you as a headliner. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would make some sense. You know, you talk to your handler. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Amanda, okay. what's your message for the haters? Oh, for the haters, um, I'm not quitting. You can call me every name in the book, but I'm not quitting. You know, you can tell me I'm not funny. You could tell me I'm this, but I'm not quitting. And neither should any of you, unless you're really bad. But well, luckily, Nick and I think you're very funny. Oh, thank uh, you. You're a terrific guest. Amanda, we thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, we wish you the best of luck moving forward. I am literally probably a 10 minute walk from you. So yeah. we'll, we'll hang up eventually, grab some coffee. Yeah. Next time we'll Hoboken and Jersey City flood, I'll think it's because of you too, you with your water signs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think Nick is definitely the funnier one of the two of us, even though I think we have a, a great dynamic going that I think works really well. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, we give our guests the last words and everything. So uh, if there's anything else you would personally like to share or promote for yourself, uh, by all means, go ahead. Again, we wish you best of luck moving forward. Hopefully, we will be able to come out very, very soon and, and come to one of your comedy shows, whether yeah. you're in Jersey. I know I was at the stand a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I saw Shane Gillis there, and he was absolutely oh. hysterical. So yeah. I know you performed there before. You got a presence around the city. So hopefully, we'll be able to come out and see you soon. But uh, if there's anything else you would like to share, promote, uh, the last words are yours. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, check me out on all social media platforms. I'm not really big on TikTok. I'll, I'll grow that. I'm going to start growing that following again. Um, the Amanda Gale, um, come to shows. And what I, I'd like to say closing words uh, to anyone who's a creative is that you should just do it and you shouldn't wait because it never gets easier. So that would be my ending statement to anyone who's a, you know, aspiring creative. So.
Never gets All easier. Right. Just do it, fail, be embarrassed and just cry. And then it's fine. <laughs> just get back up. So Good way to end the show. That's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right. And for the first time, I'm going to end this episode by giving our guests some homework. Amanda, go listen to Gail. Okay. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of You Know I'm Right. For our special guest, Amanda Gail, my co-host, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right.